Hey, uh, two weeks uh, from this weekend, it's kind of a big weekend, uh, it is our women's retreat, and so if you're a woman, woo! <laughs> That's my wife. <laughs> and we were backstage together, and she was kind of did the host thing. I can't tell them that? <laughs> I walk, I'm getting ready to come out, and she goes, you want to make out? <laughs> <laughs> I was praying. <laughs> anyway, the women's retreat is uh, two weekends from this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Um, and Stacy is actually uh, with a team of women have put this thing together. And it's really going to be a, uh, just a weekend of kind of uh, retreating and just kind of resting. It's not going to be a high energy weekend, but really just an opportunity for you to get away and be still. So if you're a female, I really encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, also, two weeks from today is uh, Baptism Sunday, and so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you'd say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, but you have not been baptized, I would encourage you to do that uh, next uh, two weeks from today. If you want information about that, you want to ask some questions or know what that's about, just write baptism on your Connect card. You can drop it in one of the brown boxes on your way out. So, hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, uh, just for the worship, uh, the chance to be together. Uh, and God, I'm so excited about the passage that we're going to look at this morning. I pray that you would bring it alive in people's hearts and minds and eyes like you have brought it alive in mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in week two of the Ephesians series, uh, Immeasurably More. Uh, we're going through the book of Ephesians over about six or seven weeks, uh, and it's a series where we're talking about what is our identity? Who does God see us as? And my guess is that most of you have probably been the victim of mistaken identity at one point in time or another, or you have mistaken one person for another. And I have a couple of those stories myself, but uh, I need to share a story about somebody else. So uh, many of you all know Todd Griffith, and Todd leads worship uh, here at River Ridge on Sundays. He's not leading today, but here's a picture of Todd. And uh, many of you know Todd, and uh, so Todd, in addition to being a great worship leader, he is also a uh, very excellent ultimate Frisbee player, right? And so for when he was a little bit younger, he was on an ultimate Frisbee team that traveled around and played, okay? Now, there's a guy on his team whose name was Chris, and Chris was also a good ultimate player, and so they became friends through traveling and playing these games together. Uh, and so one day, and also Chris is a um, uh, waiter at uh, Cracker Barrel. So one day Todd goes into the Cracker Barrel, and Chris is his waiter, except Todd doesn't even acknowledge Chris at all, like that they even know each other. And meanwhile, Chris is really fuming at Todd. Because Todd is married to Sarah, but Todd is not there with Sarah. He's there with another woman, and he thinks Todd's ignoring him because he's there with, you know, in this bad relationship. And so, at any rate, turns out, little did Chris know, that Todd has a twin. So this is who Todd was with, right? However, look at this next painting picture, and that is not Todd at all. That is his twin brother, Chad. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that really is. Um, anyway, mistaken identity. Now, uh, the thing is, while 
Todd and Chad look the same on the outside. They have different identities. They know who they are. Hopefully, Sarah and Chad's wife, I'm sure she has a name. I actually don't know what it is, though. Ashley, thank you, uh, know the difference as well. Um, But, you know, we're talking about identity. And our identity is not what we look like on the outside. Our identity is who God created us to be and who God says that we are. You know, and as we go through the book of Ephesians, we're going to talk about our identity. And our identity is not what we look like. Our identity is not what somebody else thinks of us or thinks who we are. Our identity is really not even who we think that we are. Our identity is who God says that we are. And so a theme that we've been talking about throughout this whole series is this, is what I believe about who I am determines how I live. What I believe about who I am determines how I live. And so what that means is, is the, and, and this, this um, statement works both ways. So if we believe who God says that we are, then that's, gonna, that's the way that we will live, right? On the other hand, if we believe lies about ourselves, if we believe things about ourselves that are not true, we will live those out in our lives as well. And so our key verse for the book of Ephesians is uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And so as we go through this series, I'd really encourage you to do three things. Uh, This is an all-in type of series. So the first thing is when you come on Sunday morning, bring your Bible, bring your Bible, bring a pen, mark it up, underline stuff, highlight stuff, circle stuff. If you don't have a paper Bible, break out an electronic Bible where you can highlight and keep some notes in it, but do that. The second is this is I would challenge you and encourage you to listen to every sermon in this series, to go seven for seven with the sermons in this series and be all in. And then the third is this, is we put together, I actually wrote a devotional that goes along with this sermon series. And I would encourage you to do that. If you're not doing something else in your time with the Lord or you're maybe new to trying to spend a daily time with God, spend time. It'll take you probably 15 minutes at most, but read the verses there, answer the questions, and go all in with the book of Ephesians, because we really do believe, and God really wants for you immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. That's what God wants for you. And we talked last week about how we get there or how God gets us there. The immeasurably more is not more stuff or more money or more power or more friends or more any of that. The immeasurably more is more of God. Talked about how it's a spiritual blessing. And where that comes, where that spiritual blessing comes is when we understand who we are, not who we think we are, not who other people say that we are, but when we understand who God says that we are, that's where the spiritual blessing comes from. And so last week we talked about three different identities that we have, that I am chosen, that I am forgiven, and that I am loved. And so this morning we're going to talk about two more identities as we look at Ephesians chapter 2. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, find it on the Riverridge app, and you can use that to take some notes in as well. So this is Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1. It says this. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Last week, we talked about this word of a lie identity. 
It's an identity that we believe about ourselves that is not, in fact, true. And if you ever think, where does that come from? Because I think you know, part of, as we go through the series, is recognizing this is my identity in Christ, but part of it is also recognizing what are some of the lies that I believe about myself. Have you ever thought, where, does that, where do they come from? This verse gives us a good idea of where they come from. Underline this phrase in verse 2. It says, the course of this world, following the course of this world. That one of the places that the lies come from is from other people. Other people and what they say about us and how they treat us. And maybe as you look back at your life, there is somebody in your life, a parent or a friend or a boyfriend or an ex or something like that, and they said things about you that you believe, that you're unwanted, that you're unloved, that you have to look good to be accepted, you have to be successful to be loved. And there are all these things put on you, and so you're living these lies in order to please these people who may not even be a part of your life. But we get lies from what people say about us and how people treat us. Then it also says, and you can underline this as well in verse 2, it says, the prince of the power of the air. That's a reference to Satan. That's a reference to the devil. It says this in John 8.33. It says, there is no truth in him when he lies. He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's a description of who Satan is, that he is the father of lies, that he speaks lies to you that, we don't, that you don't even, that I don't even know that he's speaking to us. That's what he tries to do. And when he can make us believe a lie about who we are, then we live that identity instead of who God says that we are. And so part of what we're doing through this series is identifying what are some of the lies that I believe so that I can recognize them, recognize them quickly, and then live the identity of who God says that I am. Now, this passage is getting at something larger in terms of a, a false identity, and it's this lie. And, and again, remember, when we live these lies, when we live an identity that's not who we are, we miss out on the immeasurably more that God wants for us that God wants immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. But when we live a lie, we miss out on that. We miss out on the spiritual blessing. But in verse 3, it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, the lie is that you are stuck in your sin. The lie is that you have to continue that life that you had before you met Christ. And you look at this passage, and you can see that sometimes we live this lie. It talks about the passions of our flesh. When you live the passions of your flesh, you're living out the lie that you're still dead spiritually. Or it talks about carrying out the desires of the body. Do you carry out the, the desires of your body? That's living a lie. It says carrying out the desires of of the mind. That's living out a lie. It's missing the identity of who God says that we are. Then in verse 4, it tells us what our true identity is. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
So the truth is, your identity is that you are alive in Christ. I am alive. That's who you are. But Satan wants you to live as though you are still dead in your trespasses. Now, I want you to underline two words here. Circle them, star them, double asterisk them, whatever it takes to get your attention on these two words. It's the two words at the beginning of verse 4 that says, but God, but God. You see, we were dead in our transgressions. What that means is we said to God, I don't want anything to do with you. I want to pursue peace and love and happiness and joy and life apart from you. I want to live life the way that I want to live life. I want to do life my own way. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to be with you. That is what all of us did when we are dead in our transgressions. We said, no thanks, God. And then these two huge words, but God. But God reached out to us while we were stiff-arming him, where we said, no thank you. It says, but God, being rich in mercy with great love, loved us. He brought us the gift of life, the gift of being alive. And we've got to understand that, folks, that God loved you, God loved me, even though we were saying, no thanks, and he gave us the opportunity to be alive in Christ. It wasn't like we did a whole bunch of good things and God said, hey, I'm going to send Jesus because they're being good enough. No, it was the opposite, is that we were dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses, and Jesus was sent by God to us as a gift. Verse 8 and 9 talk about this. It says this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This tells us why it is that God sent his son. Said he sent his son as a gift, as a gift of grace to us. You know, it's interesting. We didn't earn our salvation. You didn't earn your salvation. I didn't earn my salvation. Right? Your good works did not earn your salvation. It says not by works, but it's our faith, which and even that is a gift of God. And here's the thing is you didn't do good works to earn your salvation. So you can't do bad works to unearn your salvation. You see, you didn't behave your way into salvation, and so you cannot behave your way out of salvation. That God's love for you is unconditional. And so if you're ever walking around this week or this month or this afternoon, and you're kind of going, man, my, my, my life sort of sounds like verse 3 of carrying out the desires of the flesh and the desires of the mind, and maybe I don't have salvation. And I want you to understand that you have salvation if you have received the gift of Christ. You didn't behave your way into salvation, and you cannot behave your way out of salvation. And so at some point in our lives, we receive Christ, but then unfortunately what sometimes people do is they just kind of wait around. They're like, okay, I have Jesus, I'm alive in Christ, and I'm just waiting for heaven, just kind of see when heaven comes. And what do we do in the meantime? After you have salvation and as we wait for heaven, what happens in this in-between time? God has immeasurably more for us than just waiting around 
for heaven to occur. Verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It says that we are God's workmanship. Your translation may say that you are God's masterpiece. That's who you are. He says you are a masterpiece. You are his workmanship. If you remember last week, I talked about uh, this book was written to the people who lived in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, it was, I said this last week, I'll say it again, it was a cultural center of the world. And so one of the things that they were very good at and known for is their art. And so as you would walk down the streets of Ephesus, there was Ephesus, there would be statues and paintings and sculptures and all of these things as you walk down the streets. And Paul is referring here, he's bringing that to mind as he writes this letter. He says, you know those workmanships, those masterpieces that you see as you walk down your streets? You are more special than that to God. You are created more specifically than that by God. When I was in college, uh, my mom and dad uh, got into buying antique art types of things. And so when I was in college, they bought a Picasso pot. And I had my mom take a picture of it. So this is a Picasso pot, uh, and it is like hand-drawn by Pablo himself. And uh, they bought it, and I, I had to ask, I said, how much was it? And it, it was $15,000. I'm like, oh my gosh, for a pot. It just sits on a shelf. But anyway, so, but in college, my friends would come over and we'd hang out in my house and, and they're like, hey, what's up with the new jug? You know, can I use it for water? I'm like, it's a Picasso, don't touch it. And, and I told them how much it was worth. And then they would, I played tennis and they would take my tennis balls and they would see, how close to the pot can I throw that? I'm like, stop, it's priceless. At least I think it's priceless. I don't have that much money, stop. It's, you know. But that thing is, that's a Picasso pot. It's worth a ton of money. But God looks at you and says, you are worth more than that. As much thought and creativity and beauty that, God, that Picasso put into that pot, God put so much more into who you are and who he wants you to be. So here's the second identity that we are is that I am his workmanship. I am his workmanship. I want to look again at verse 10, and I want you to notice the order of what we have here. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, underline that word, beforehand, that we should walk in them. You see, here's what I want us to understand, is that God has these works, has these good things that he wants done on the earth. He has those planned beforehand. And then he creates you to come and to do these good works. The good works were created beforehand. And then he creates you made in just a certain way in order for you to do these things that he wants you to do. I'm going to use a couple of illustrations. This board has been sitting here this whole time. Maybe you've noticed it. But in this board, on this board, uh, there's uh, a screw here, right? And, and what do you think, and this board was here before I started the sermon, so it's a beforehand board, but what would we need to put this screw into the board? A screwdriver, right? And so this is the good work. The, the board exists, it needs to be, the screen needs to be screwed in, and so we come along, this is us, and we screw the screw into the board, 
right? Now, there's also uh, uh, a nail here, a finishing nail. And, and what do you think we would need to put the nail into the board? A hammer. You guys are bright. Yep, a little, a little quiet, but bright, right? So we go, okay, I've got a hammer, and I can hammer this. It's not going to work very well, but okay, so we got that. Now, the other thing I was thinking about this... Um, this board is I kind of want to get it level, right? So it's on my music stand. So I brought this level here. And so if I put this on here and I can tilt this just the right way, and now the board is level with the, you know, with the floor, right? So I can make it level. Again, this level was created so that we could make boards level. Now, here's the thing. If you take these three objects, right, made by, you know, Stanley Tools or Snap-on or Makita or Black & Decker, whoever they're made for, made by, these tools were made by some design engineer that made it just, you know, this would be just so in the curvature and these uh, would be, the level would work just right with the bubbles and so forth and the handle and the way this feels. They put a lot of thought into how these were made. As much as they put thought into how these were made, God put more thought into how you were made because you are his workmanship. So what does it look like for you to be his workmanship? I'm going to give you five different things that make you the perfect masterpiece that you are. First of all, it's your personality. That you have a personality that is unique to you, that has a certain amount of risk, that has a certain amount of caution, that has a certain amount of outgoingness, a certain amount of wanting to be by yourself, a certain amount of humor, a certain amount of patience, that you have a personality that is unique to you. That makes up your workmanship. That makes up the masterpiece that you are. You also have some talents, that God has given you talents. Maybe you're good with your hands. Maybe you're good at music. You're good at design. You're good with numbers. You're good with kids. You're good with people and personality. You're good with asking questions, but God has given you some talents. God has also given you spiritual gifts. When you said yes to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came inside of you, at that point in time, you also received spiritual gifts. Maybe you have the gift of leadership, the gift of serving, or the gift of shepherding, or the gift of administration and organizing things really well, that God gave you a spiritual gift or more than one. God has also given you passions. There's things that you're super excited about. You know, maybe it's justice. Maybe it's marriages. Maybe it's helping kids that don't have parents. Maybe it's a sport. But God has given you certain passions. That's part of the masterpiece that makes up you. God has also given you experiences. He's given you experiences that are unique to you. Maybe you played on a championship athletic team. Maybe you took dance when you were little. Maybe you're a world traveler and you've been all over the country. Maybe you had an amazing mentor or teacher who invested in you when you were younger. You've got experiences. But all of us also have bad experiences that you were abused earlier in life or people left you out all the time of what they were doing, or maybe you were injured 
or you have a disease or a sickness that's chronic, or maybe you lost a parent or a grandparent at a really critical time in your life, or you lost somebody else, and you have all of these experiences, and they're painful, and, and, and I'm, it's not that God caused these, but sometimes we walk into them, sometimes they just happen. But God can take all those experiences that you have, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and He can redeem those for good. And so all of these things make up who you are, your talents, your personality, your passions, your gifts, your experiences. Those make up who you are. Why does God give you that? Why are you this masterpiece? Again, back to verse 10. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them that God has good works that He wants you to walk in, and He has shaped you uniquely who you are to walk in those. He had them set up even before you were born. He said, you're going to do this. But here's the problem, is we believe the lies. We believe a lie identity that I am not created in God's image. I am not His workmanship. You know, take out this level and go, you know, I'm... We look at ourselves and we go, I'm just kind of small. And we think about this. We go, ah, now that's a level, right? Amen. That's a four-foot level. And I'm just this little 18-inch level. And unfortunately, what happens is we have this comparison trap, this envy trap. We say, if I was a level like that, if I had those kinds of gifts, if I was four feet long with three different little bubbly things in me, then I could really get some stuff. Then I could really do God's work. But I'm just this little kind of stubby one. But you know what? It's not about how, you know, these are for two different things, that God has created you. You are God's workmanship. Another comparison. You know, this is a hammer, right? But this is also a hammer. And this hammer is kind of chipped away. It's got paint. The little claw thing is kind of broken off. Yeah, and we go, I'm just not good enough. I'm just too broken to be useful to what God wants me to do. I'm just, we'll leave it to the hammers that are, you know, good and clean. But you know what? That's believing a lie. It doesn't matter who you are. God has a purpose for you and your life and good works for you to walk in. This week, I got a Facebook um, message, and the person uh, wrote this. I'm going to read it. It's, it's kind of long, but I'll stop uh, in a little bit. But it says this. It says, today at work, I overheard a coworker telling another coworker um, how amazing the after-school program is that her son has started going to. She started talking about how he used to have so much pent-up energy, he'd do bad things and be hard to control, and now he sleeps well because he's exhausted from climbing on a climbing wall and playing basketball in his after-school program. So the reference there is to the Second Avenue Center where we as Riverage partner with them. And there's a whole new indoor rec room place that this child plays. And so the person that goes to Riverage is overhearing a couple of coworkers talk about it. And she goes on, the, the coworker goes on um, talking about it and says, she talked about how he's more respectful He's getting his homework done for the first time ever. He takes off his shoes when he enters the house. He sings in the shower. 
Prior to this, he'd been expelled and suspended numerous times. She talked about how she's trying to match what he's learning and how it's raising the bar for both of them. She talked about how, the absolutely, how absolutely delicious the food is and how he's full at night. And it's really helped her to afford the bills of not buying as many groceries. The consistency and generosity of the homework buddies, the great condition of the building, the love shown, and the amazing Christmas presents received in December, all were topics of conversation with this coworker. She went on and on. She and her son are a tough case and in desperate need of hope and Jesus. And so the Second Avenue volunteers, you are changing lives. And then she, her last line, she said, and that gives me an open door to talk about the gospel with this woman. You see, the Second Avenue Center has been transformed because of people here saying, I am God's workmanship, and I'm going to use who God has made me to transform this place, but really to transform lives. That this is some of your shape. You're a paintbrush, right? You go, okay, I'm going to paint. I'm going to hammer. I'm going to do some work over there. And the place has been absolutely transformed. Some of you, this is your shape. You're a spatula. One Monday a month, one Wednesday a month, you're making dinner for these kids to give them a full meal before they go home. You're making a difference. And some of you are like this learn-to-read book, that you're a homework buddy, and you're there, and you're teaching kids to read, and you're sounding out words with them, and you're teaching them how to multiply and how to add and what a fraction is, and that's you. That This is your shape. You're a how-to-read, and you're teaching people. And I think that if you're a homework buddy, that is absolutely amazing. You know, as I look around River Ridge Church, there are so many people who are God's workmanship, who are putting their shape and their craftsmanship and their masterpiece who are themselves that God says that you are into practice. We've got Mountain Dew bottles, right? These are all the people that work in student ministry, right? And you're just, they're going crazy and you're trying to keep up with them because you're like way older than they are, middle school kids, high school kids, and you're just trying to get your energy up. Some of you, this is some of you, you're just a big winky smiley face. You're on the greeting team, and you're just thrilled when people come. You're like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And you wink at them, right? And you serve them coffee. And you make them happy. And you check them in at the register. And you're using your gifts to welcome people because this is your shape. Some of you are just like big, huge goldfish crackers because toddlers and preschoolers love goldfish crackers. And they love you as though you are a goldfish cracker. And you love them, and you sit on the floor, and you play with them, and you sing a song with them, and you do a lesson and a craft, and you're given that first glimpse of who God is and who Jesus is, and you're awesome because you're using your goldfish shape to reach these preschool nursery kids. And some of you, you're just a big heart. You just, you just love people, and you lo- you're loving a small group of kids in river camp or not, rich kids, or you're, you're loving a small group of adults that you lead, or you're loving people that, with the way that you welcome, that this is you, you're a heart, and you're just an opportunity, opportunity after opportunity, taking it to love people. And then some of you are this last one. You're a multi-tool. Like, you can do it all. You're a, you're a screwdriver, a thumb, a 
thumb file, you're a pliers thing, you're, you can open a bottle of Coke. Um, <laughs> you, can small, you can saw a small tree branch. I mean, you, you can do it all. And so you put your masterpiece into practice because you are God's workmanship and he has created good works for you to walk in. I want to finish with two applications. The first is this. Do good works in a planned way. And what I mean by that is that to have a place where you plug in and serve, where you're serving on a weekly or monthly or every other week kind of basis, where you say, every week I'm going to use who God has made me and I'm going to serve inside River Church or outside of River Church, but find a place where you can serve regularly. Instead of just waiting and going, well, something comes along. I guess I'll see it. I'll step into it, but I'm just kind of waiting here, hanging out. No, serve in a planned way. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm not sure how I'm gifted. And, and you may look at yourself, this is who I am. So I got, this is like, okay, this is a tool. This is how I'm shaped, but I don't really know what this is. And, and you need some help figuring out who you are. That's what Kim Nelson is for. She's on staff here. Her job is to get you connected to service. By the way, this is a pipe cutter, in case you're curious what that is. But whatever your shape, whatever your gifting, whatever, however God has created you, we want to find a place for you to serve. So on your Connect card, write down, it's right in front of your knees, just write down, this is where I'd like to serve, or help me find a place to serve, or however you want to put that. But we want to help you to serve in a planned, regular type of way. And then here's the second application, it's this, is do good works in a spontaneous way. That there are a lot of you that serve every week or every month at River Ridge and, and keep doing that, but don't limit yourself to that. In other words, keep looking for ways to serve that maybe are not regular ways, but are things that come up. As opportunities come up, we say, I could step in here. I could help here in a one-time basis. But sometimes we just go, well, you know, I serve from 9.45 to 11.15 on Sunday mornings. Or I serve as a homework buddy at the Sacken Avenue Center. That's what I do. That's my volunteer job, if you will. As I, as I do that, I love doing that. But that doesn't mean that's the only time that I serve, that we want to be spontaneous and look for other ways to serve. I want to close by looking back at the scriptures here. And uh, verse 1 says this. It says, You were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked. It says that you once walked in sin and trespasses. And then verse 10 says, You were created for good works, which God prepared in advance for you to walk in them. That Paul, in trying to get our attention, he's using walk at the beginning of this passage and walk at the end. It's as though he's laying out two options. Are you going to walk in your sin? Or are you going to walk in the good works that I've created you to walk in? You're going to walk in sin or walk in the good works that I've created you to walk in? And I think sometimes we want to say, well, I'm not walking in sin, but I'm not walking in the good works either. And I would say, if you're not walking in the good works, you're going to keep drifting back towards walking in sin. Because walking in the good works is what God has created you to do and to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that you have created each one of us individually, uniquely as a masterpiece. And you look at us and say, this is who I want you to be.
God, help us to live that. Help us to walk in the things that you want us to walk in. God, you have things set up that are just for us. Help us to see those things, to serve in those things, to lead and to love in those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being here. And uh, if you are not serving, we would love to get you to serve. Just drop your Connect card in the basket on the way out on the silver tables. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.